Are you a mom launching kids into adulthood? If so, you need to know about my Empty Nest Mom Retreat. It is the gathering for moms who have at least one child over the age of 18 or who have launched them all and have a full empty nest. September 27th through the 29th are the dates, and Cedar Lake Retreat Center in Cedar Lake, Indiana is the place. You can fly into Chicago airports and drive to Cedar Lake in a little over an hour. Come join me. Best Value Registration is available through May 27th, and space is limited to just 100 moms, so don't delay. Check out jillsavage.org slash retreat to register today. We often tell ourselves play is a luxury item. We'll get to it when we have time. But the truth is, if we can engage in play as part of our normal rhythm, it gives us the energy and the spark to do the task that God has set before us. You're listening to the No More Perfect Podcast, where we talk about strengthening the relationships that mean the most to you. I'm Jill Savage, and I live in normal Illinois. I'm committed to talking honestly about the messy, less than perfect, but normal stuff of life. I'm so glad you've joined me. Well, hello, friends, and welcome back to the No More Perfect Podcast. So I have a question for you today. How do you do with incorporating play into your life? Now, that is a serious question, my friend. And when I ask myself that question, the honest answer for me is I don't do a very good job of making play a part of my life. Now, when my grandkids are at my house, yeah, I do pretty well with that. But other than that, this is an area that I need growth in. And honestly, many of us don't even think about the importance of play as adults. And that's why I've invited Courtney Ellis to have a conversation about this today. Courtney is the author of Happy Now, Let Playfulness Lift Your Load and Renew Your Spirit. So welcome to the No More Perfect Podcast, Courtney. Thank you so much for having me, Jill. It's really exciting to be here. Absolutely. All right. A book on playfulness. So how did that topic become important to you? It became important to me when I realized my life was really missing something. Um, We have, my husband and I have these three healthy kids. We work at a church that we love and everything was going well. This was pre-2020. Everything was smooth sailing. Um, But I realized we had been working so hard and so focused on our goals um, that happiness had kind of passed us by. And the more I studied the scriptures about the joy of the Lord and the invitations to rejoice always, right? Paul is really serious about that. And I will say it again, in case you missed it the first time, I will say it again, (laughs) rejoice. I, I was trying. I was trying to be happy. And the thing about trying to be happy is it often doesn't work. Um, if you ever have a kid who's in a bad mood and you're like, snap out of it, it's it's always unsuccessful. No one is choosing. Usually people aren't choosing to be unhappy. And so I started to study the science behind happiness. And what I discovered was one of the quickest and fastest and easiest and most fun ways back to happiness is the joyfulness that naturally comes to us when we engage in play. And that can be as simple as 
10 seconds of play. Someone tosses the ball. Do you catch it and throw it back? Um, Or it can be more involved. It can be things we traditionally think of as play, playing a sport, playing a board game, playing an instrument. But it's also more than that. We can engage playfully with much of what we normally do in our lives. Worship can be a playful act. Washing the dishes can be done playfully. And play gives us this beautiful lift in our brains and in our spirits that makes the rest of our lives just a little bit easier, makes us just a little bit happier. It's such a gift from God, and it's available to us almost every minute of every day. Wow. Okay. So I think then we better define play because I do think that we probably put that word in a box. And the first box is associated with children, like children play, adults don't. So I think that's that's one box that we put it in there. Um, The second box, I think, is like you said, it's like board games, sports, you know, we think about playing. When you say the word play, What are we talking about? My favorite definition of play comes from a registered play therapist I interviewed for the book. She's actually the wife of our senior pastor. Her name is Malika Cleland. And she told me play is anything that brings us joy and connection. So that's a really broad definition. Yeah. Chocolate cake can be playful. That brings me joy. (laughs) Um, A good conversation with my husband can be playful. That's a connection. So anything that brings us joy and connection is play. And I often in my book talk about playfulness rather than play, because play can sound like either we're playing or we're not, but we can engage in many things playfully. We can learn playfully. We can grow playfully. We can go on a walk in a playful way. We're looking up, we're bird watching. We're not just, I have to do this for my exercise, right? It's it's a, the spirit of the thing. Right, right. Ah, that's a that is neat. And I can really see that. You know, I might do a better job at playfulness now that you've redefined it for me. Uh like in the, especially in the summertime. Now I live in Illinois, so we can't take a walk right now uh when we're recording this and I'm not sure when it'll air, but it's 11 degrees. So it's not exactly the best day for a walk, but I am a huge fan of of just going out and taking a walk, but for me, it is discovering things. Like I'm looking I'm looking for birds. I'm looking for little animals. I'm looking for flowers. I'm looking for things. And that is a, gives me a sense of playfulness. So that really is helpful. So how would you suggest that we kind of discover our own maybe personal styles of play? I love that question because I do think in our culture there are play styles that are more common or more talked about and play styles that are a little quieter. And part of the journey of the book for me was discovering that my inherent play style, how I have the most fun and get the most lift is often very quiet and very solitary. So I'm a crossword puzzle person. My husband jokes that he knows exactly what I'm going to be like when I'm 80 because I'm, I'm a little bit like that now. Um, (laughs) But that is just as playful. All play doesn't have to be confetti out of a t-shirt cannon. I grew up in a family where a lot of, both of my sisters are kind of adrenaline junkies. And I was the person saying, do we have to go on the roller coaster? Like, really, do we have to? Um, And so we all have a different style. Some of us love the adrenaline. Our, Our senior pastor goes mountain biking until he injures himself and then he heals up and then he goes mountain biking again. And I am not wired that way. Um, I like quieter styles of play. So what I tell people to think about is number one, think about what you loved to do as a child. 
Think about what you love. Maybe you were really artistic, but now you think, oh, I'm not really good at painting, so I'm not going to paint. You don't have to be good at painting if it brings you joy. Maybe you loved sports, but now you have arthritis. Can you watch sports? Can you participate in sports in a different way? Um, What is it that you love to do when you were a child? And the other question I ask, and this is a hard question for moms, is I say, if you had a whole day to yourself, no, just imagine in this fantasy world, you had a whole day to yourself (laughs) and you could do anything. What would you do? And how can you incorporate a small piece of that into your life today? And a lot of moms just say, I would just nap. I would just sleep if I had a whole day to myself. And often if we're not rested, it is really hard to engage in play. So especially for young moms, I say, you know, the most playful thing you might do today is when your kids are napping, rather than clean up the kitchen, just give yourself that permission to lay down. And God blesses that. And that's part of the journey of playfulness is allowing our bodies and our minds to rest and saying, I will playfully get to that laundry later. It'll still be there. Always. Right. So what I'm almost hearing is that the concept of playfulness is almost a pressing of pause in some way. It is. It's something that removes you from the regular routine that you're doing or something that breaks that routine up in some way, or it can be that. Yes. The the general cycle of play, the normal cycle is there's an invitation to play. Someone tosses us the ball and then we have to give ourselves permission. And what we often do as adults is we say, no, I shouldn't, or I can't, or I don't have time. And if we give ourselves permission for that one toss of the ball, what happens next is the release of play. It's the spark. It's the magic where suddenly we feel this little lift in our minds and our souls and our bodies. And we didn't create that. That's what happens in our brain chemistry when we play. And the beautiful Mm -hmm. thing about that little spark, that little lift, is it might just be you tossed the ball back one time and you smiled at the kid who threw it and you kept on with your day because you're a busy person with things to do. But that lift, that'll carry you for a bit. And that's the gift of, of play. We often tell ourselves play is a luxury item. We'll get to it when we have time. But the truth is, if we can engage in play as part of our normal rhythm, it gives us the energy and the spark to do the task that God has set before us. And that task will be easier. It will often be faster. Our brains will become more wired for creativity and innovation. We are less afraid of failure. It has this incredible, huge host of benefits because God has created us to thrive when we play. Oh, I love that. You know what it's making me think back to is when my kids were younger, I can remember one day, In fact, I wrote a blog post about it. It was super hot. Okay. It was like, it was right close to a hundred degrees. And my boys were, I want to say late grade school, junior high. And they, my two youngest, and they come running in the house and they're like, Hey mom, can we see if we can cook an egg on the sidewalk? And I immediately was like, no, you're not going to cook an egg on the sidewalk. And they were like, why not? And and I caught myself and I thought, why not? Like, why not? And so finally I was like, you know what? It's totally fine for you to do that. I'm sorry that I said no so quickly. And I, I handed them a couple eggs, sent them out with a, a spatula and let them go you know, try to cook an egg on the side. And it did. Hey, it cooked. It was a soft, it was a soft, uh, soft scrambled egg on uh, the sidewalk. And, you know, even just me saying yes, 
And then going out and seeing their egg cooking on the sidewalk was an effort in play. Yes. And it brought joy and connection for the two of them and for you, right? And all it cost you was one egg. Yes, yes, exactly, exactly. And I remember the same thing. The kids one time asked if they could blow bubbles in the house. And again, my I mean, I think as mothers, our tendency is to say no, and especially when it's outside the box in some way. And then I was like, well, we have a bubble container that's like a spill-free. Why can't they blow bubbles in the house? And so when I said yes, it incorporated that. So I think sometimes even us, especially if we have kids at home, being a yes mom can incorporate that play. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I... I I am very much that same way of I can see the whole to-do list of the day. And so why are we going to add a soapy kitchen floor into the to-do list of the day, right? It's, right? it's one more thing, but it's remembering that play offers us that energy in return. So this might feel like it'll make the day harder. And some play activities do. There's a big cleanup or it didn't go well or now there's paint on the table. But often there's that lift and return where the kids now feel more connected to you and kids who feel more connected to you are more likely to help you clean up. And the day is going to go better and the feeling in the house and the spirit in the house is going to feel more positive. And so all of those things connect to one another. Yeah. To be a yes mom. I love that. Yes. So important. So one of the things that you say in your book is you say that playfulness helps faith stick. What do you mean by that? How does playfulness help our faith stick? I got to read all of these wonderful studies on play. There are play scientists, which sounds like just such a fascinating job. But one of the things (laughs) many of them talk about time and time again is that we learn best through play. Our two younger kids are at a play-based preschool right now, and it's amazing because I'll sit at home and try to teach them their letters and their sounds, and they don't stick. And then they go, and they go to preschool, and they do it with Play-Doh, and they do it with a song, and they do it while they're skipping around the room. And suddenly my son comes home and he says, Mom, that's a T, and it looks like a tree, and it looks like a cross, and it sounds like this. And I'm like, I was trying to do that with you all summer, and I was doing it wrong, right? Because play helps us learn. They've done studies that to learn something new so that it becomes second nature takes Mm -hmm. an adult an average of 100 to 200 times. So think about a new song on the piano or you're driving a new route to work or Mm -hmm. anything like that before it becomes second nature. If you learn it with play, it takes an average of 10 to 20 times. Okay. So there is a tenfold decrease if you learn it with music, or you learn it through a game, or you learn it in some sort of play-based manner. And we do this with our kids, but we don't always do it with ourselves. And the same is true of our faith. Think of the songs, the worship songs you know, that are actually the words of scripture and how much easier it was to learn that scripture in a song than it was to just sit down and learn it. The lessons of God, the ways that God speaks to us through creation, through nature is because our brain is lighting up with play. There is no earthly reason we need to have a sunset, except God is like, I am going to impress upon my creation how much I love them with this beautiful painting each and every night. Play helps our faith to stick. Mm. So you say that God is playful, and that's an example of, of that is the sunset. How else? Do you see God as playful? Oh, it's, it's all over creation. I've, I've gotten a bit into birding over the past year. It's another example of me being 
old beyond my years. <laughs> I've got binoculars <laughs> for Christmas. Um, but just in our own California backyard in our neighborhood, there are dozens of different species of bird and they're all different and they have different colored eyes and they have different colored beaks and they have different bird calls. And to think of the creativity of God who could have just made one type of bird or no type of bird, but instead says, let me show you how creative I am, that every feather on this owl has a different pattern and a different stripe. Mm. Oh, and the owl is awake at night. And right, we see it in the beauty of creation. And we also see it in how God speaks to us, how God teaches us, the stories of scripture are not the same story. We can notice patterns and connections, but the way God speaks through Amos and the way God speaks through Paul is very different. We hear from someone who had a more limited vocabulary and spent a lot of time with sheep and goats. And then we hear from someone who's this learned scholar and God speaks to us in all of these different ways and these different wordings and these different perspectives throughout scripture. I love that there are so many stories in scripture that don't tie up neatly with a bow. The story of Noah is this glorious story of God protecting Noah in the flood. And then he lands and then he makes some bad choices, right? There's every story of scripture has these ins and outs and ups and downs. And we see the creativity and the playfulness of God. God could have just said, love your neighbor and behave yourselves. But instead, we have thousands of pages written over generation after generation telling us not just how to live, but how much God loves us through the Psalms, through Mm. the creation narrative. God is so playful, so playful. It's not a math textbook. Mm. Gosh. And I guess I hadn't really equated the word creativity to playfulness, but boy, I see that in what you're talking about there. And so part of playfulness might be just engaging your creative side. Yes, absolutely. Some of the most playful people we ever encounter are artists or musicians, in part because to be really adept at those fields, you have to be able to let yourself play. You have to be able to practice the piece and fail 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 and and then get it. Um, So creativity and playfulness are absolutely linked. And there are different ways of playing that can help increase our creativity. The the two things play off of one another. Um, I don't know if you've seen the movie, The King's Speech. Yes, it's about, been a long right? time, the, but yes. The king has a stutter. And so this, this professional comes in to help him, but he doesn't say, just try it more, try it harder. He has him sing. He has him lie on the floor. He has him wear headphones. He has him do all of these playful exercises that finally get at this breakthrough in his speech patterns. So often we think the fastest, best way is to just address the thing head on. But what God teaches us about the way God has created our brains to work is often the playful way might be a roundabout way, but it actually makes the lesson stick much more than just that straight fact. My my oldest son is in third grade and he's drilling multiplication facts and he's getting them. The drills are effective. Repetition is an effective tool. But also our five-year-old watches this TV show called um, Number Blocks and mm-hmm. they do a little story and they do a little dance and he will come and he'll be like, mom, five times two is 10. And I'm like, you're in preschool. You shouldn't know that. But they sang a little song and so right. it's stuck. Right, right. Well, and back to that creative thing, you were just talking about 
you fail, you fail, you fail, you fail, you fail. Boy, we don't think about creativity having failure as a part of that. So talk about that a little bit more. Yeah, there's a whole section in the book. There's a whole chapter on failing regularly. There are 10 (laughs) invitations of playfulness. And that is when I'm type A, I'm an overachiever, I get things done. But what I've had to learn is that often God works through failure. And if we don't try things, we don't learn things. And if we don't learn things, we don't grow anymore. And so Mm. giving ourselves permission, we were just talking at our church staff meeting yesterday about the policy of we will try anything once. And that doesn't mean we're going to do it forever. And it does mean we're going to debrief it. But let's try anything once. Let's see what happens if we free our people in our congregation to say, hey, what lights you up? You want to teach an art class? Let us help you teach an art class. You want to have a softball league? Let's figure out how to have a softball league. The best purchase we made. So our church is walking out of this pandemic like every other church in the country. And we've invested in technology and we've invested in live stream and we've invested in new speakers and all of these things Our best purchase coming out of the pandemic has been a ping pong table where folks who have been worshiping digitally or standing 10 feet away or not sure how close to get now they are staying after because they want to beat each other. We have men who bring a second Uh. shirt to worship because they know they're going to sweat through their first shirt and they stay and they laugh and their kids stay and they laugh. And it has profoundly transformed that minute after worship where everyone's like, great, we're out, let's get lunch to a time when people hang out and build those connections. Wow, that is really cool. I love that. That's thinking outside the box. (laughs) Right? Yeah. Okay, so you said um, that there are 10 practices of playfulness. Talk about a few others of those. So one of them is an invitation to fail. Is that correct? Fail regularly. Another invitation that might be hard, especially as, as a mom myself and thinking about moms, one invitation is to do useless things. Ooh. Okay, talk about that. (laughs) So much of our lives as parents, as caregivers is driven toward a goal, right? We have to pack the lunch. We have to do the laundry. We have to make sure we signed all the forms. There are so many forms. Why are there so many forms? We don't know. (laughs) They all have to be signed. Um, But one of the most restorative, playful practices we can engage in is doing something just for the joy of it. Maybe it's a jigsaw puzzle. You have nothing to show at the end of the day for a jigsaw puzzle. Maybe it's going on a walk. That's not the big, hilly, heart-pounding walk, but it's, the, but it's the one that's prettier and you enjoy it more. Maybe it's pausing to watch the sunset. I was cooking dinner a couple nights ago, and it was one of those, if I don't stir it, it will burn. I have to be here at the pan. And my oldest son said, Mom, you have to come outside. And I had this choice to make, right? Because often he wants me to come outside to look at a really cool stick. And I've seen a lot of really cool sticks, and I'm kind of <laughs> over it. But I pulled the pan off the burner knowing that dinner is not going to taste quite as good, but I'm not going to start a fire. I pulled it off the burner and he took me outside and there was this profoundly beautiful cloud formation that I've never seen before and that I would have missed. And he and I had this moment of connection and there was no purpose to the cloud formation. It didn't make my dinner taste better. It didn't sign any of the forms. Um, But when you give yourself permission to do those useless things, your soul gets this lift that it needs. You connect. I connected with my son. I connected with my God, you know, that, that just 
God mm-hmm. made that. And nobody right. else saw it from the same perspective we did standing at the end of our sidewalk. It was for us. Um, so to give ourselves permission to do those useless things, do you like to paint your toenails, paint your toenails? Do you like Mm -hmm. to wear the silly red lipstick, wear the silly red lipstick, these things that give us that little lift of joy might not matter in the long run, but they really matter in the short term. And those things add up in the long run. Oh yeah. Wow. That's, that is great. And you know, that's funny that you said, do you like to paint your toenails? Because just the other day I painted my toenails and I thought, and my feet are covered up all winter, but it brings me joy that when yes. I take my shoes off at night, that my feet look pretty. That yes. does bring Every me time joy. you take a shower, you get a little lift, right? Every time you take a shower. When I was <laughs> nine months pregnant, I went in for a pedicure and my husband was like, you can't see your feet. And I was like, that's true. <laughs> but when the baby comes out and your body is kind of a war zone for a few weeks, my toes are going to be beautiful. And that that's matters right. to me. And it does. And it did. Yeah. But boy, that word useless is hard for those of us that are type A driven get it done girls. Yes. Protestant or guys. I mean, that's hard. That's hard because we are all about accomplishment, getting things done, checking things off the list. So useless things. Although I think what we need to do is we have to reframe them that they're actually not useless because obviously if they're, if they're bringing us joy, then they are useful. Absolutely. Yeah, we have to give ourselves that that gift. Yes. And so we have to recognize that emotional things, things that bring about an emotional lift in us, um, an emotional health benefit, have use in our life. They're not useless. Absolutely. And that, that's really having to think about it differently. All right. What's one more practice of playfulness? So the book ends, the final invitation of playfulness in the book is the invitation to take off your shoes. And it goes back to the story of Moses standing in front of the burning bush. And God says, the ground you're standing on is holy. And it's a chapter dedicated to the playful practice of worship. Um, Because we're often Mm -hmm. told that worship needs to be very serious. And there are portions of worship that do need to be seen. Our sin is serious. It's serious. It separates us from God. It separates us from our neighbor. In many ways, sin is the opposite of play, which brings us joy and connection. Sin brings us death and separation. Um, But knowing that we serve a creative God, what does it mean to enter into worship more fully as full people who have bodies and minds and spirits? What does it mean um, to use our bodies more in worship? Maybe we kneel, maybe we raise our hands. What does it look like um, to praise and worship a creative God? I went through many, many years of my life where I had this very rigid understanding of what a quiet time should be. It should be a certain amount of time. It should be a certain amount of verses. There should be journaling and what I discovered was even that good faithful practice can become really rote or it can become mired Mm. in guilt. I missed a day. Okay. Now I have to make up for two days. Now I have so much more reading to do. I didn't retain anything, but I read the words, right. And realizing that God comes to us in these creative ways. And often now my devotional practice is I listen to the Bible on tape and I go for a walk 
And I let those words wash over me. And it hits in a different way if you listen to the Bible. It hits in a different way if you listen to a male voice read the Bible or a female voice read the Bible or a different translation of the Bible. So what does it look like to come to God playfully and Mm. understand things about our own play style, how we learn best? how we worship best and start to open up some of these things, some of these ideas. One of the things we've done in our corporate worship at our church is um, there's a woman who leads these music classes for kids zero to five, and they have all of these shaker eggs and bells that they play. And I said, you know, April, how many of those do you have? And she's like, well, I have about 200. And I said, great. What would you think about bringing them to worship? And I brought this by our youth, our, our worship director who was like, okay, but people need instructions or it will be chaos. And I say, yes, <laughs> right? playfulness within bounds. Playfulness isn't just chaos. So for the final yeah. song, we, I talked to April and I said, you know, we'll, we'll tell people there are bins, go and get an instrument. And she goes, no, because no adult will go get an instrument. The kids will. The teenagers will, the adults will stay in the pews. They will not move. She's like, we have to pass them out. So we passed them out. Everyone got an instrument and our worship director gave instructions. Here's how you play on the beat. Here's the syncopation if you want to be creative. And we played together for this final worship song. And it was amazing. Like it blew oh, the bet. rafters off. People were laughing and older folks were connecting with children who weren't their own children. And it was so beautiful. And the end of the day, everyone put them back in the bin, but you saw the spirit change from, okay, how many songs to lunch to we are part of this. When some of our folks don't love to sing, but they could participate. And some of our folks, you know, are singing behind a mask, but you can play a shaker egg. And it was just profoundly beautiful and creative. And if we did that every Sunday, it would lose its whimsy. It would also become rote, but it was a way our folks saw of entering into worship with greater permission to be a little bit playful about it. Yes. Yes. And you know what I hear you saying without saying the word is really, you're talking a lot about freedom. Yes. Really having the freedom to be more whimsical, more creative, um, more fun, to lighten up, to think outside the box. And a lot of times I think in, in issues of faith, we lack freedom and yes. it holds us back from connecting with God in creative ways, from connecting with each other in creative ways. Yes. And we see this with Jesus in scripture. So often people tried to pin him down with a particular question and he would turn into a story. He would say, let me tell you a story. And then often when he had told the story, his disciples would say, what did that mean? Right. They want it distilled down to a math problem because they want to be able to parse it and get it right. And Jesus is like, there, there was a man who had two sons. There was a widow who lost a coin. There was one sheep that wandered off. And the thing about these stories is they take on a life of their own. We tell them and we retell them and we can tell them artistically. And we see them in paintings and in great works of art and in music in a way that a math problem never will work in the same way. And I have nothing against math. I'm I'm being mean to the mathematicians out there today. I love math. (laughs) Math is a beautiful thing. But this idea of freedom, right? Of freedom in worship, of of freedom in telling this story that a child can understand, the story Mm -hmm. of the lost sheep. But I'm still unpacking it. And I've been a believer since I was five, right? That stories work on us and in us. And that freedom to not just say, 
this is what's true, but to say, this is what's true. And it's so true. We're going to tell it in a thousand different ways. We're going to paint it and we're going to sing it and we're going to bring out the shaker eggs. Um, that freedom to enter into God's kingdom with our full, creative, playful selves. Oh, I love that. I love that. Oh, this has been this has been such a refreshing conversation and you've just given me so much to think about. For those that want to connect with you further, Courtney, the name of your book again is Happy Now. Let playfulness lift your load and renew your spirit. We will make sure and include a link to that in the show notes. Where can people find you? Where can they connect with you outside of your book? I would love to connect with any of your listeners. Um, I'm over, my my blog is Courtney B, B as in boy, Courtney B Ellis.com. Courtney Ellis was already taken. For a while, <laughs> it was taken by a lingerie model. That is not me. Don't go there. Courtney B Ellis. <laughs> oh, yeah. That wasn't a great day to discover that. Um, Courtney B Ellis. <laughs> Dot com. I'm also, I'm on Twitter, Courtney Ellis. I'm on Instagram, Courtney underscore Ellis underscore author. Um, and I'm over on Facebook as well, but I would love to, to connect with any of your listeners there. Um, my blog has excerpts from the book and you can buy the book anywhere books are sold. It's on Kindle. It's on audiobook. I'll read it to you if you buy the audiobook. That's me. <laughs> so I would love, love to connect with, with any of your folks out there. Oh, I love that. Well, would you close us in prayer and just pray for us and this journey of understanding playfulness? Absolutely. Lord Jesus, I thank you so much for Jill. I pray that you would continue to bless her ministry. And I pray for every single person listening out there, especially those who just feel ragged and exhausted today, who feel like they can't add play onto their to-do list. I pray instead, Lord Jesus, that this podcast would grant them permission, that it would be an invitation into short and easy ways to play, that you would light up their brains and give their spirits that lift and hearten them for the journey that lies ahead. Give us creativity and innovation in our worship. Give us joy in the time that we spend with you and give us connection with one another. In your holy name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thanks for joining me today on the No More Perfect Podcast. If you haven't already, make sure you subscribe and follow so you don't miss any future conversations. You can find the show notes and links to anything we talked about over on jillsavage.org slash podcast. I hang out on Facebook and Instagram and would love to connect with you there. You can find me under the name jillsavage.author. One more thing, we have three free ebooks that we'd love to give you. You can find them at jillsavage.org slash free. See you next week where we'll have another conversation about the real stuff of life and relationships.